Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. It's time for You Better You Bet. We'll give you an edge to beat the spread and so much more. What do we call that? Wagertainment. It's You Better You Bet from BetQL. From the BetQL studios in Washington, D.C., it's Ryan Horvath, P.J. Glasser, filling in for Nick and Ken. Nick and Ken will be back tomorrow with you guys, getting you set for the divisional round, divisional weekend of the NFL playoffs. I can't wait. We'll talk a little bit more about those games. Uh, we'll talk some college hoops. we got a nice card tonight, NBA, of course. And that's actually where we're going to start, Peach, here on You Better You Bet on this uh, beautiful Wednesday, January 17th. Got to remind myself, January 17th, it's actually my mom's birthday. I completely forgot. Happy birthday, Mrs. Horvat. Happy birthday, Mom. If you're watching the show, if not, I got to uh, grab a gift. But anyway, you can watch us live 24-7 on the BetQL Network directly for free on the free Odyssey app. And uh, check out the Twitch, YouTube, and BetQLnetwork.com. Listen to You Better You Bet live on Sirius Channel 160 as well as Sirius XM 205. So we start with some NBA news, some breaking NBA news as the Raptors. Uh, this finally happens. They trade Pascal Siakam to the Indiana Pacers. And I actually like this move for both teams. So the Pacers receive Siakam, which they needed, a yep. defender. Um, they get a second-round pick from the Pelicans. And then the Raptors are going to get Bruce Brown Jr., Jordan Wara, Kara Lewis Jr., and three first-round picks, two of those in 2024, one of those picks coming up in 2026. So I like this move. I really like what the Raptors are doing because they're in full rebuild mode, man. Nick Nurse leaves yep. uh, to go coach, obviously, the 76ers. So this is a rebuild. And uh, now, though, when you think about it, that entire championship roster is gone. Too. Right. Fred Van Vliet gone, Siakam Kawhi, gone. Yeah. yeah, you're right. So now, what are your thoughts here? I mean, we know Ujiri's one of the best. Masai Ujiri's a great GM, and uh, that's what he's doing. He's tearing it down. He's getting as many assets as he possibly can. He's hoping to find his next superstar in the draft. So I agree with you. I like the trade for both teams. We know Indiana's been looking for a number two to go along with Halliburton. They need another star. They've hoped that they hope that they have found that. But Siakam, I mean, to your point, he he's a good defender, and that's really what they're going to need him for. We know Indiana can score. They can score with the best of them in the NBA. But if this team is going to get serious about making a playoff run, they got to get better on the defensive side of the floor. So that's why I like the Siaka move. He's certainly going to help them in playoff basketball when the game slows down. You need a guy that can score in the half court. Siakam's very good at that. Um, but I think it's a good move. In my mind, does this make them automatically better than Philly, Milwaukee, and Boston? No. Would I take Indiana over either of those teams in a seven-game series? No. But I think you can make the case that Right now, the Pacers certainly are in that next grouping with the Heat, the Knicks, um, you know, in that in that next tier below the big three of Boston, Milwaukee, and Philadelphia. Like, if I were to say to you the fourth best team in the Eastern Conference is blank, who would you say it is? Would you say Miami 
Or would you now say Indiana after this? Break? You know, we talked with Rick Camp last night, and he's kind of talked me into the Cavs. Mm. I like the Cavs a little bit. I mean, they're playing good basketball. I actually bet the Cavs uh, tonight against the Bucks. Okay. Uh, Four-point dogs. But I don't know, man. I mean, you can never write off the Heat, obviously. And for the Heat, for Miami, it doesn't really matter what they do in the regular season. We saw that last year. They were a play-in team. They actually trailed the Bulls by three with like a minute and 30 to go, and they still made a run to the finals. Yep. So... I don't know. As far as like teams I trust in the East, it's Boston. But then again, I've had Boston futures the last two years, and uh, those haven't worked out for me in the long run. I want to say Milwaukee, and I know they're like still trying to figure some things out. Obviously, an entire new coaching staff. Mike Budenholzer is gone. Um, I love the Dame pickup on the offensive side of the ball, but they still they struggle defensively. It's gotten a little bit better. But when we're talking about the Pacers, maybe the I could see the Pacers winning a playoff series, and I could maybe even see the Pacers as an Eastern Conference Finals team just because of what they've done against the Bucs. They have the Bucs number. Now, how much does the regular season mean to you? That's you know what I mean? Thing. Because they've won four of their last five against Milwaukee. Yeah. And I, they played them tough. They have. I just worry that when, when it comes down to playoff basketball, Milwaukee's going to be such a tough matchup for them. Like Damon Giannis in the half court. You know, if you can just get a little bit from Middleton, the way that they can defend. I, I think it's one of those, you know, we see this sometimes in the NBA where a certain team has another team's number in the regular season, and then they match up again in the postseason, and it's a different story. I kind of feel like Milwaukee and Indiana are that way. Yeah. I, I just I think Indiana's missing another piece. They're certainly on their way. Halliburton's a star. I think we all would agree with that. Siakam's a really good number two. I think they need they need a third guy, though, until we can truly take them like seriously. I think, you know, Miles Turner's like a nice role piece, buddy healed, right? They got shooters. Matherin's a nice piece piece in the backcourt, bring him off the bench. Um, but I, it just feels like Indiana is just another piece away. But this is a nice, uh, this is a nice step for them in the right direction. Yeah. So I mean, like when I first saw the news, I was, I didn't really know what Indiana was doing. I, I know what they're doing, right? They need Siakam's having a great season. He's averaging twenty-two points per game, six boards, about five assists, and he's shooting fifty-two percent from the floor. And also, you're getting a six-eight wing defender that could defend multiple positions. So I understood it. But he also, it sounded like he wanted to test free agency. He was going to be a free agent. So that's what I was wondering is, are they going to be able to uh, come to terms on a long-term deal to keep them in, in, in Indiana or else you're trading away two first round picks for a rental. Right. But it looks like, I mean, the news is he's excited about the trade and uh, maybe he'll want to stick around in Indiana. I don't know why you wouldn't want to play on that team right now. I mean, Halliburton's one of the best, if not the best point guard in the league right now. Right. And I like Matherin, like you said, yep. um, they got a nice young core. So if you're Siakam, and if you're the Pacers, I think this might be best case scenario. And then, like I said, I like what Toronto's doing. They're going to go rebuild. Um, we'll see what they're able to do in the draft here. They get two first-round picks. So excited for them. Excited to see what the Pacers could do here. If you look at the odds right now in the East, the Celtics still the favorites, plus 120, plus 310 to win the NBA Finals. The Bucks are 2-1. to one. Uh, Philadelphia plus 550. And then it's Miami at 14-1. to one. The Knicks at 18-1. to one. Pacers twenty to one, Cavs thirty to one, and then the Magic at fifty to one. So, like you said, man, if you're looking at those like second tier teams, let's take away uh, Boston, let's take away Milwaukee, and let's take away Philly, and we'll talk about what they did again last night because there's been a shift in the MVP market uh, after what Embiid did against Jokic last night in the Nuggets. I think the 76ers might be for real, to be honest with you. I like Maxi. I like the season that Tobias Harris is having. And Embiid's probably, if not the best big man in the league, he's right behind Jokic. Uh, but let's take away those teams and let's look at Miami 14 to 1, New York 18 to 1, and Indiana 20 to 1. What's worth a bet to you? Because I, I would probably actually say the Pacers at 20 to 1. I like the moves that the Knicks made. 
Um, you know, in Miami, you could never count them out. But the Pacers, like you said, they're going to improve defensively with the pickup of Siakam. And I know it becomes a half-court game in the playoffs. You have to be strong on the defensive end. But, man, like when they could score 130, 140 points per game, I don't know. I think they could compete with any team in the East, to be honest with you, outside of Boston. It's still Miami for me. I think Indiana's this year's Sacramento, right, from last year. Such a great offensive team, great story. Um, They're going to be in the playoffs. I think whoever they get matched up with, it could be like a Philadelphia. They could take them to six or seven games. But ultimately, I think they lose. It still feels like Indiana's like another year or two away. The Knicks, they feel like Indiana too. Like Brunson is Halliburton, right? They have their star at point guard. Randall is Siakam. You have a nice complimentary piece. You got some good role players around them. You got a decent head coach. But it just, it doesn't feel quite like the Knicks are with those other teams in the Eastern Conference. So I put the Pacers and the Knicks in the same boat. It's Miami. I mean, Miami, it's just, when they get in postseason with Spolstra and the way that they can defend and then what Jimmy Butler turns into in the playoffs, like, it's got to be Miami. The, The way I am in the NBA, Ryan, until you prove it to me, like, I can't back you. I just, I can't try and guess, like, who the sleeper team in the NBA is going to be until you show me that you can start winning in the postseason. That's why I know everybody loves the Clippers this year. Yeah, and I get it. Like the Clippers look awesome. I really like them after what they did for me last night. I mean, how could you not? Right? They're one of the hottest teams in the NBA. Like the Harden trade looks like it working out. They got depth. They can shoot. They defend. I mean, they got three great scores. But I just I can't get there with the Clippers until. They show me that, A, they can stay healthy, and B, they can make a deep playoff run, then fine. And if they end up doing it, so be it. But I I just I can't take a team like Indiana. I can't take a team like New York. Maybe they win one series, sure, if they match up in the 4-5 game you know, against somebody. Maybe they can beat them. I, I couldn't take them, though, over the top three, and I yeah. couldn't take them over Miami either. Well, that's—and when I look at the East, right, like we've kind of done this with the 76ers, um, you know, obviously, but I like Maxie a lot. And if Tobias Harris is going to continue to play like this and can play like this in the playoffs, I like him. And Embiid's going to be able to give you 35-40 on any given night. But, I mean, you need, obviously, two guys that could get buckets. At least one superstar in the fourth quarter. And that's why I still lean Boston. The problem is Jalen Brown, when we get to the Eastern Conference Finals or the Finals, um, doesn't have the best handles. Right. <laughs> I love Jason Tatum. We'll see. You know, we'll see what KP could do in the playoffs. But it's it's hard to write off Milwaukee even with the defensive struggles just because they have Dame who's a closer. They have Giannis, who's a closer, as long as he's not going to the free throw line 10 plus times in the fourth quarter of these games. So it's hard to write off the Bucs. And and I'm with you, though. So Woj has this. uh, So the Pacers finalize the deal. Siakam comes over. Bruce Brown goes. Jordan Wara goes. And then there's the three first-round picks. But he added 47 minutes ago that Indiana is going to send the two 2024 first-rounders and a 2026 first to the Raptors. And then added as well, uh, Pascal Siakam excited about the deal to the Pacers expected to be eager to work out a new contract with the franchise this summer sources tell ESPN because he could become a free agent in July so as long as they're able to extend him and right. keep him there I like what they're building in Indiana and I like like I said what uh, Toronto's doing but um, yeah I, I don't know that I'm going to run out right now and do anything with the Pacers even at 20 to 1 to win the East 50 to 1 to win the NBA finals for me it would still be Boston Still probably Milwaukee. And we'll see with Philadelphia. But, uh, man, Embiid last night. Ridiculous. Man, that game was so good, watching those two go at it. I mean, we were talking about Embiid and the player props, and, you know, his point total was 32 and a half. I mean, I knew it was chalky. I knew it was square. But 
He's going up against Jokic. Like, you know he was going to try and ball out. You know he was going to take it to him. Scored 41. He was awesome. Jokic had 20 and 20. Was That was a great basketball game. Um, You know, Philly, it does feel different with them. I think because Nick Nurse is the coach, it, it does feel different now that Harden's no longer there too. I just keep going back to Embiid and is he going to be healthy for a playoff run? And is he almost going to be a detriment to them in the playoffs? Like, as great as Embiid is, and you would think he'd be better for playoff basketball because of what a great score he is, you know, it just feels like when you watch the Sixers play in the playoffs sometimes, like, they almost have to wait for Embiid to, like, come down the floor and set up their offense. He could throw them out of a rhythm sometimes. So I don't know. We'll see with Philly. But they're intriguing. Yeah, they are. And, I mean, I like them this season with Nick Nurse a little bit better. I mean, but the problem has been... Like last year, even, you know, you get to game seven and they get punched in the mouth a little bit and they just didn't fight back. You know, they completely gave up and just got blown out. But this year, I think that they're a little bit tougher defensively. I just wish that they had one more guy that I trusted to get buckets in the fourth Agreed. quarter. Like I like Maxi, but you could just put a bigger defender, a wing defender and kind of take him out of the equation. And I like Tobias Harris, but I don't trust him to go off for like 20 plus in the playoffs. Right. You know, who they could really use. Jimmy Butler, if they would have made the right decision. Uh, yes. You know, Tobias Harris is having a nice season, but Jimmy Butler, when we come to the, when we get to the playoffs, is a completely different player. If like Embiid had him, I think that the narrative would change a little bit about him in the playoffs. Agreed. I mean, James Harden, look what he did game seven. But anyway, the MVP market really quick. Jokic still the favorite, plus two fifty, even after last night. But Embiid bumps all the way up to plus uh plus two seventy-five. So you're not even getting three to one odds with him anymore. Shea's Three to one, and then Luca seven to one, Giannis eight to one, Tatum twenty five to one. Uh, what do you think? Embiid, back to back years. I had him last year. This year I stayed away. I didn't do anything with him. He's, Obviously not worth a bet at plus two seventy five, but yeah, he certainly could. Um, you know, with Embiid, it's just about staying healthy. Like obviously, you know, he was able to stay healthy because we know with Jokic, he's going to be able to. That's Jokic's best asset is just his ability to stay healthy right isn't that one of the old sayings your best ability is availability and Jokic is always out there so if Embiid stays healthy and if Philly's able to like somehow get like the top seed in the east or even just the second seed I think he probably wins it again SGA I mean he's right there too I I certainly think he's not out of it especially with OKC like if they continue to stay towards the top of the Western Conference it's going to be a good race I do think it goes to one of the big men I think it ends up going to Jokic or Embiid and it just feels like this season at least like Embiid more so is putting up like bigger numbers than Jokic is you know like Embiid can go for like 50 and like 12 or something like that where Jokic puts up triple doubles but it's the eye-popping like point totals that Embiid puts up that uh I think I think is giving him the edge so it's close. I would I would probably go with Embiid, though, if I had to make a choice. Yeah, same here. Same here. Uh, looking at it tonight, so now Toronto, because they actually, uh, I liked Miami. I took Miami this morning, minus 125 on the money line. Just kind of thinking for Toronto, I mean, they're 15 and 25. They're 10 games below 500, and I figured Siakam was going to get moved here within the next week. I didn't know it was going to go down today, and now it's been taken off the board. We'll see what it comes back as. Uh, up at BetMGM, but I took Heat money line because everybody's going to go. Kyle Lowry's going tonight. Tyler Hero's in the lineup. Jimmy Butler and Bam all going to go. And you look at this lineup tonight now for the Raptors without Siakam. Grady Dick's going to be a game time decision, but it's uh, Schroeder, Isaiah Quickly, R.J. Barrett, Scotty Barnes in the starting lineup tonight for the Raptors. So we'll see what uh, what the number comes back at. But right now off the board over at BetMGM. 
it's always an interesting gambling angle. Like whenever there's a trade or right. there's a firing, like if you want to back that team, I kind of want to back Toronto tonight. You know, I think I just feel like, especially in the end, like this would be so NBA, you trade away your best player, the role guys step up and, uh, you know, they find a way to win this game. Like I just figure it's, that's how the league works. It's back up. All right. So tip off seven forty. the heat now three and a half point favorites on the road. So the Raptors three and a half point dogs. Total in the game, 225 and a half. The money line goes from Miami minus 125 to minus 160. Yeah, you might be onto something right there. And this is usually how it works in the NBA form. How it works. If I get too cute. Um, How was your night college hoops last night? We both liked Purdue. I had the under. Arkansas was great. I'm glad we stayed away from St. John's because they got smoked without Patino on the sidelines. So that worked out. Yeah. And then, uh, oh my God, Cincinnati covered in overtime for me. That was nice. Overhitting that game, too. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we're going to talk about the divisional round of the playoffs. We got some previews coming up. And I uh, added a couple more bets. San Francisco, Green Bay. Can't wait for that game. We'll talk about that next. You better you bet. Ryan Horvath, PJ Glasser, filling in for Nick and Ken. We'll be right back with You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM. <laughs> On the BetQL Network. Let's get back to You Better You Bet, presented by Bet MVM on the BetQL Network. You Better You Bet continues here on Wednesday afternoon. Ryan Horvath, PJ Glasser filling in for Nick and Ken. Nick and Ken will be back tomorrow, and then they'll be with you guys all weekend. Divisional weekend, getting you set for the game Saturday and Sunday. You can watch live 24-7 on the BetQL Network and directly on the free Odyssey app. Also, check us out on Twitch, YouTube, and the BetQL Network, betqlnetwork.com. And you can listen to You Better You Bet live on Sirius Channel 160 and Sirius XM 205. You could also watch You Better You Bet on Stadium coming up 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Uh, WatchStadium.com and YouTube TV as well. All right, so, Peej, uh, we were talking about this last night before we yep. get into the divisional round. Pretty good uh, pretty good night last night, really college good. hoops. Purdue did cover. That was never really in question. I had no. the under in the game. Depending what number you got, you either pushed or you won that bet. Yep. And then uh, in the NBA, I had the Clippers. How was your night? My night was fantastic. Yeah, Purdue was, uh, they smoked him in the first half. They were up big. And then second half, Indiana made a little run, but Edie was awesome. That was a great hit. The sweat, I told you, was Cincinnati. Um, that against TCU, that one was sweaty. TCU was winning like the whole game. Then it went to overtime. We had Cincinnati minus three and a half. As you can see right there on Twitch, they won by four. So that was a nice hit, 81-77. And then the nightcap, Arkansas, they were up like 30-10 to 10 on Texas A&M. I was like, this is going to be great. Easy winner, can flip to another game. Then Texas A&M, Buzz Williams, the head coach for A&M, changes his entire outfit in the second half, comes out in an entirely new wardrobe, new pair of glasses, changes the entire momentum of the game. A&M comes roaring back, and then Arkansas makes a free throw at the end to win it by one. So uh, that was nice. We had them plus three and a half, didn't need the points. They win it outright. But uh, good night in college hoops. Don't like the board as much tonight. There are a couple games that I like tonight. We'll talk about that later in the show. But always nice because I don't know how you feel, Ryan, but this time of year, especially in the NFL playoffs, like that's the focus. You you know that you're trying to save your bank account for that. But when you can add a little extra money to – you know, spend more towards the playoffs. It's always a nice thing. Yeah, we got Creighton-UConn coming up tonight. UConn, the number one team in the country, six-and-a-half-point favorites, Mississippi State, Kentucky, uh, all that coming up and more during the power hour. All right, let's talk uh, Let's talk a little divisional round. We got one let's game that's not going to be a rematch from the regular season, and let's start with Green Bay and San Francisco. Uh, the Niners, still nine-and-a-half-point favorites here. 
We talked about this a little bit yesterday. Uh, I've added a couple things here. The total in the game, 50 and a half. San Francisco money line minus 450. Green Bay to pull off another upset on the road, plus 350. It's almost like the Jordan Love, Aaron Rodgers revenge tour. Uh, now, Rodgers always had good success. Good success in Dallas, but now uh, Jordan Love's going to try to do something that Rodgers never was able to do in the playoffs, and that's knock off the San Francisco 49ers. Spoiler alert, though, I don't think that's going to happen. I bet San Francisco in the first half. I took the team total. I went over 14 and a half. I know you like the full game. Uh, we'll throw out some props. Yeah. Uh, I lean over full game, but I'm just I'm just going to play the first half, and I'm going to go team total with San Francisco. I also kind of like the Niners, anything under 10, and they're sitting there right now at 9.5. Your thoughts on this one? Love the Niners. I agree. Anything under 10. They've played 10 regular season games this year against NFC teams when they're fully healthy, right? So when Purdy's at quarterback, McCaffrey's running back, Debo, Ayuk, Kittle, Trent Williams is at left tackle. When all those guys are out there and they're healthy and Purdy doesn't have the concussion symptoms and, you know, Debo doesn't have ankle issues and Trent and all that. When they're all there, they've played 10 games against the NFC. Ryan, they have won nine of those 10 games by double digits. The only game that they didn't win by double digits was against the Rams when they won by seven. If you remember, that was the game where McVay had the field goal at the end. Yeah. The backdoor when there was no chance of them winning the game. The spread was actually seven and a half, and people thought McVay knew the spread. He thought there was something shady going on there. That's the only game against the NFC that they didn't win by double digits. So we talked about this game yesterday. Packers were seven-point dogs against Dallas. They win that game outright. They look dominant in doing so. Now, after that performance, they're nine-and-a-half-point dogs this week against San Francisco, and people were like, well, if I liked them at seven against Dallas, I'll probably like them at nine-and-a-half against San Francisco. The problem is San Francisco, I mean, power ratings-wise, compared to Dallas, it's like three or four points, and they're well-rested. They're at home. And as you know, I mean, look, the NFL sports, they're all about matchups. Green Bay, historically, last decade, they have been a thorn for Dallas. Like, they've always given them issues. It's always been a bad matchup. And for when they go up against San Francisco, it's always a bad matchup for them. I don't see this time around being any different. So, really, really like San Francisco in the game. I like the team total as well. Um, As for the total, like the 50 and a half, I'm with you. I kind of lean the over in the game. But, you know, generally when you like the favorite and you kind of lean towards the over, the team total over for the favorites, normally the way to go. So I like San Francisco, the 29 and a half. And then the player props, I know you're going to get into the one that you like the best. So I'll, I'll let you have that. But uh, I'm going back with your boy Jordan Love over rushing yards. He's going to get it for us this week at seven and a half. Because as you know, Green Bay, their game plan for most games, especially with the way Aaron Jones is playing, they're going to want to feed him. Yeah. They're going to want to run the ball. But when that's not working, they're going to go away from it. Love's going to throw the ball a lot, and that's going to allow him to run when the pocket breaks down and Chase Young and Nick Bosa are in his face. So uh, I like Jordan Love over 7.5 rushing yards. Yeah, I like, props. I like quite a bit in this game, and I'm an, I, I like that this week as well. Um, yes. See, with Dallas, the reason I bet Green Bay, I thought that was a bad matchup for Dallas defensively, going against Green Bay, who their offense right now is humming. Jordan Love, the second half of the season, he's got one turnover. Um, he's pushing the ball down the field. Aaron Jones, now four straight 100-yard rushing games. And that offensive line, they're number two in pass pro. They protect Jordan Love. That's the big difference is he actually has time in the pocket. Even without David Bakhtiari, who they lost early on, what, week three for the season? Uh, with like a makeshift offensive line. They've been one of the best in the NFL. They got the run game going right now, but I don't think they're going to be able to get the run game going against San Francisco. So I actually like Aaron Jones under 69 and a half rushing yards. Same. You know, I worry a little bit that 
They're going to abandon the run. I mean, Aaron Jones, the last couple of weeks, is getting 20-plus touches, but he's been on a pitch count, really, for the last three years with Matt LaFleur. And A.J. Dillon's still not practicing right now. We'll see if he's able to play. Um but Packers, other than that, Green Bay, pretty healthy, other than the Aaron uh, or the A.J. Dillon injury right now. But I still think this is a bad matchup. Uh, I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball. And I love Jordan Love the way that he's playing right now. I do think maybe the Packers could put up some points. But on the defensive side of the ball, I worry how many stops are they going to get against San Francisco. That's why I like the team total, 29.5 full game. Yeah. I like the over in the first half if you could still find 14.5. And, and I kind of like the uh, 24 and a half as far as the first half total. I think San Francisco might be able to hang 24 themselves just because Green Bay struggles against the run. You're seeing that with the props right here. Christian McCaffrey rushing yards, 92 and a half, minus 115 to the over. I'm not going to touch that mm -hmm. because I actually like Brock Purdy props. I like Purdy passing yards. I played that this morning over 264 and a half. Love George Kittle. We talked about that yesterday. The reception's a little chalky, three and a half, minus 165. I do like the receiving yards, 52 and a half, still the number, minus 115 to the over. Green Bay struggles defending tight ends. They struggle to defend the middle of the field. Maybe you play some Debo props as well. But I think that's the big difference, man, is against Dallas, Green Bay, Dallas has struggled to run the ball all season long. Tony Pollard just was not an every down back. So they had to rely on Dak in that passing game. And Green Bay's pass defense is actually pretty solid. Uh, they've had some injuries. Eric Stokes hasn't been healthy all season long. They traded away Rasul Douglas, but getting Jair back a couple weeks ago was huge. And he has that interception on the second drive of the game for Dallas, which really set the tone for Green Bay. They go up 14-0, game over. Yep. But I just I don't think they're going to be able to do that against San Francisco. And it's Joe Barry going against Kyle Shanahan. I don't think there's a bigger mismatch this weekend then Joe Barry against Kyle Shanahan and Brock Purdy and Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel and George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk and all those weapons. Like Joe Barry allowed Bryce Young to have 300 yards passing. Yeah. Joe Barry allowed Tommy DeVito to become NFC Player of the Week. Joe Barry allowed Baker Mayfield to have the second perfect QB rating at Lambeau Field. Now he's going against Kyle Shanahan, who even in the presser said they started working on the game plan for Green Bay in the second quarter of that game against Dallas, they and I don't know. think he was messing around. No, so, I don't either. And Shanahan owns LaFleur, and he owns the Packers. We talked about this yesterday. Uh, three years ago, whatever it was, 2021, in the NFC Championship game, they beat him by 28 points, and if you look at the advanced box score, I mean, that game was over in the second quarter. San Francisco played a bunch of prevent in the second half. Rodgers and that offense were able to put up some points, but yeah. I mean... Raheem Mostert was their third string back that year. He had over 200 yards rushing. He probably could have rushed for 350 if he wanted. Now, Mike Pettin was the defensive coordinator. They've made the change to Joe Barry. I think that's actually a downgrade. So it's been a nice year for Green Bay, a nice little run. I just think that this is probably the worst matchup for them. But I do think they'll be able to score some points. So I think the over, even at 50 and a half, is, is, is worth a look. Maybe they're able to backdoor here, but San Francisco is moving on, in my opinion. I think I think we get a Niners in the NFC Championship game, and we're one step closer to my dream Super Bowl of San Francisco-Buffalo. No, I mean, I think you're right with the Niners. I think they win this game. You know, it's interesting looking at McCaffrey and Aaron Jones and their rushing props this morning. McCaffrey was 89 and a half, yeah. so now he's up to 92 and a half, so that's obviously getting hit. And Aaron Jones was at 71 and a half. And he is now down to 69 and a half. So, yeah, that Aaron Jones under I like. I mean, San Francisco knows that in this kind of game, even though Jordan Love was awesome against Dallas, he's been great the last three weeks. I mean, Shanahan, Steve Wilkes, like, they know that the Packers are going to want to run the ball in this game. They want to keep the Niners' offense on the sideline. They want to slow the game down. They don't want their defense to face San Francisco's offense. So, 
Aaron Jones is going to be the game plan early. So that's going to be San Francisco's focus is to shutting that down. And they're going to prove Jordan Love to just have an A++ game and try and beat him. So I uh, I agree with both of those. I like Jones under. I would like a McCaffrey over as well. And then receiving, I mean, you were all over this yesterday. Like George Kittle at 52 and a half. I mean, that is the play. Well, just look at what Jake Ferguson did. I mean, last week against Green Bay, 12 targets, 10 catches, 3 tutties. I mean, he was great. You've been telling me for years that Green Bay hasn't been able to cover tight ends, and you're not yeah, wrong. Yeah. And now they're going up against Kittle, who, uh, you know, it's it's always fascinating to watch Shanahan game plans and the game plans and the games where he uses Kittle as a blocker and where he uses Kittle as a receiver, which kind of makes him hard to bet at times. This is going to be one of those games where he use Kittle as a receiver. Well, I mean, it's just it's one of those games. The matchup is just too good for it. So 52, like look at some alternate uh, receiving, you know, yardages for George Kittle. Yeah. I'm scrolling through now. Yeah. Like, so it's 52 and a half, right? Like George Kittle alternate 75 plus is plus 200, 100 plus is plus 500. Yeah. I would look at some alternates for Kittle. I think this is a big Kittle game. And then on the other side, I think this could be a big Jaden Reed game as well. I loved him against Dallas the way that he was playing the last like eight, nine weeks of the season. It ended up being a Romeo Dobbs game. So I think a lot of people are going to take him. You've mentioned Wicks has been really good. Um, but but this, this I think, is going to be a Reed game. So if you're targeting two receivers this weekend in Green Bay, San Francisco, Got to be Kittle, and then I I really like Reed as well. Yeah, I like Reed. I'm going to take a shot probably with Watson yards. He didn't do too much because that was his first game back. He was more just really a decoy, and that's how you got Luke Musgrave so wide open on that one play, that one touchdown reception. Yeah, and it's also why Romeo Dobbs had that day. You know, in the middle of the field. Problem with San Francisco though is they don't give you any of the uh, short stuff. You know what I mean? you got to hit them with explosive passes. That's the only area you could attack them, really. They have such a good pass rush. But again, Green Bay is pretty good pass blocking, number two in the league. So if Jordan Love's able to have some time, I think he'll take some shots down the field. Last week, they had Watson yards priced at 24 and a half. Uh, I'll take a look at that in a second. But I'm probably going to play Watson yards on the over. And uh, that's probably really it for Green Bay, man. For me, a lot of props for San Francisco, though. I think Debo probably goes over. I even like McCaffrey in the receiving game just because, again, middle of the field. That's where Green Bay does not cover. And we'll see what they do with Jair because that's the other thing with Green Bay defensively. The last couple of weeks on third downs especially, they've been able to play a little man defense. I don't think you're going to be able to play man against San Francisco or Brandon Ayuk's going to kill you. Right. So I think they're probably going to play that soft zone coverage, and that's why I like Purdy yards so much. I like Kittle, but I like Kittle's yards at 52 and a half a little bit more than the receptions. Unless you're going to play some alternate numbers, you could get a four and a half receptions plus 115. But I like the 51 and a half receiving yards because Green Bay bottom five in yards per coverage to tight ends uh, per target, explosive reception rate and missed tackle rate. And that's what's so important right there is Kittle with the yak. I mean, he could go off for 50, 60 yards on one of these receptions because you have Darnell Savage Jr. playing safety, right. Jonathan Owens. I love Jair Alexander, but he does not like to tackle ever since the shoulder injury two years ago. So I love the yards. I think that's probably the bet of the weekend as far as player props. And I think the Niners are going to put up some points. Uh, in this yeah, game. The weather forecast for Santa Clara on Saturday night, cloudy, 53 degrees, light rain early, five to 10 mile per hour winds. So obviously, you know, when you're talking California weather, it's going to be nice. How about the Fox broadcast team? I mean, Burkhart, Greg Olson, you get Dallas and you know, wild card weekend, you get Santa Clara. Yeah. Week. Must be nice, right? Romo and Nance got Buffalo back-to-back weeks. A little bit chillier. So you know, it must be nice. The one thing that I miss, though, 
is if we're getting Green Bay, San Francisco, or Green Bay, Dallas, I love Burkhart, and I love I love Greg Olson. I love G-Reg. But, man, I miss Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. For those call. games. Yeah, I mean, I like, mean, yeah, and, and that's, classic, that's, that's like not NFL really a popular teams. take because Packer fans feel like Joe Buck hates them ever since, like, although everybody, I feel like everybody really thinks that Joe Buck hates them, unless you're a St. Louis Cardinals fan. Right. <laughs> but, I mean, um, and I know there's been, you know, like the Minnesota, the Randy Moss mooning stuff. Uh, but man, I just, yeah, I love them on the call. It doesn't yeah. feel right without them. It's it, funny. I want to, because when we preview Ravens and Texans coming up yeah. on the, uh, on the other side of the break, whenever Lamar plays a game on ESPN, he tends to be really, really good. And Ravens, Texans will be on ESPN. So, uh, that's why I wanted to throw out like some broadcasting crews and everything. Yeah. Cause it's just funny how, you know, certain guys play well on certain networks, certain times of the day. Lamar on ESPN, normally really, really good. Yeah, we'll talk about that game on the other end. I got to ask you about that. At home this season, Lamar Jackson averaged 9.3 yards per pass attempt. I think he's going to be able to push the ball down the field against that Texan secondary. But are we going to lay the number with Baltimore? We'll talk about that next. It's You Better You Bet. Ryan Horvat, PJ Glasser filling in for Nick and Ken. We'll be right back with You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Let's get back to You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Ryan Horvath, PJ Glasser filling in today for Nick and Ken. Nick and Ken will be back tomorrow. They'll be with you guys all throughout the weekend, getting you set for Divisional Weekend. Every time you make a wager over at BetMGM, you earn BetMGM reward points that could be redeemed for things like free bets, which I love, risk-free tokens, or converted to MGM reward points that could be used towards dining shows, hotel rooms, at over 20 MGM resorts. All you got to do, download the BetMGM app and visit BetMGM.com. Today, you're listening to You Better You Bet. Again, Nick and Ken with the day off, but you can still watch us live 24-7 on the BetQL Network directly on the free Odyssey app. Also check out Twitch, YouTube, the BetQL network, and you can listen to You Better You Bet live on Sirius Channel 160 and Sirius XM 205. All right, we've talked enough Green Bay, San Francisco. I love George Kittle props. I love Brock Purdy props. Let's talk about your squad right now, Peach, and kind of my adopted squad, especially uh, because I have all the Lamar Jackson MVP futures, which are looking pretty good right now. Yep. Um, the total, we talked about this. So the total all the way down to 43 and a half. I still like the under. Uh, we talked about it yesterday. It was at 44. So that's taking some money. And then the uh, Texans still sitting there at nine and a half. Money line plus 340. Baltimore minus 450 on the money line. We saw this matchup week one. Two completely different teams now, though. What do you like here? Yeah, so the weather, uh, you know, this is obviously why the under is or the total is dropping a little bit. It's going to be 27 degrees, partly cloudy, very cold, winds 15 to 25 miles per hour in Baltimore on Saturday, afternoon game, 430. That's obviously going to go into the evening, so it's going to get colder as the game gets later in the day. Um, You know, it's interesting, the line movement that has been shifting in this game, especially considering that San Francisco was minus 500 on the money line. Baltimore was minus 400, and now they're both minus 450. So it's almost like money's coming in on Baltimore a little bit, and money's coming in on Green Bay a little bit, which is surprising because I thought things would go the other way. I'm leaning towards the Texans in the game at plus 9.5. I think they're going to keep it close, especially with the total dropping. I just think it's going to be one of those like 24-17, 23-14 kind of games. I think it's low-scoring. I think it's defensive. Um, 
you know, I don't know if it's going to be turnover filled or sloppy. I just think both defenses are good. I think both quarterbacks are going to play it safe, not wanting to make the mistakes. The Ravens especially, right? I think they obviously, you know, if you watch the Ravens this year, they really like to get on teams early. They're, they're so good at starting fast. And with their starters not having played in three weeks, it's going to be interesting to see if they're able to do that when they had the number one seed against the Titans in 2019. They were down 14 nothing right off the jump, and they didn't know how to respond. They've been much better, you know, the last couple of years under Lamar at if they're trailing, coming back, and winning games. But, Ryan, they've been one of the best teams in NFL history this season at, like, leading in games. I think they've only been trailing for a combined, like, 27 minutes this season before that Steelers game in Week 18. So it's insane. They've virtually been leading the entire season. So the start is really important in this game. If the Ravens are able to get up, if they get up 7-0, if they get up 10-0, 13-3, whatever it may be, then they're right in their comfort zone. And and they got Houston right where they want them. Whereas if the Texans come out and they go up 7-0, if they go up 10-3 or something like that, then we got ourselves a ball game. But uh, I think I think Houston can keep it close. The under is the play that I absolutely love. Just as a Ravens fan, it feels to me like... When the Ravens played the Colts years ago, when it was Ray Lewis's last home game, Andrew Luck was a rookie. They beat Indy 24 to 9. They played TJ Yates in the Texans like seven years ago, eight years ago. That game was 20 to 13. Like it just feels like we're going to get one of those kind of games again. Um, and then when I was mentioning before we went to break, so Lamar Jackson, I was thinking about it, and I'm like, you know, the game is on ESPN this weekend. And some of Lamar's best games, some of the Ravens' best games have been on ESPN. And, you know, you start thinking about it when they played San Francisco on Christmas Day, ESPN game, right? Looked dominant, looked great. Yeah. Some of Lamar's greatest games were when they played the Rams and he had the Jackson 5. They absolutely dismantled him. How about the game against Cleveland when he had to go to the bathroom, right? That game was Monday night on ESPN. So. No, no, he didn't have to go to the bathroom. He came outside. Remember, he didn't have to go to the bathroom. That's what he says. But, you know, we've all seen that walk before. And then, uh, you know, there was that crazy comeback that they had against the Colts on Monday night where he threw yeah. for like 400 yards. They were down like 16 in the fourth quarter. So Ravens have been pretty good on ESPN. Lamar's only playoff game has, or his only playoff win has come on ESPN against the Titans. So we'll see. As a Ravens fan, let's just say I'm happy that this game is on ESPN, Ryan. I'm very happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like the under. So even at 43 and a half, I like the under, but I don't love the under at 43 and a half. I think there's a better look. I want to get your opinion on this. So um, like I ended up betting the Texans at home against the Browns just because they were at home against the Browns, the home road splits for Cleveland. Cleveland at home, a top-five defense. Cleveland on the road gave up a bunch of explosive plays, and I figured C.J. Stroud might be able to hit some of those, but I was a little bit worried about that matchup just because uh, the Browns played the highest rate of man coverage. They were number two in pass rush win rate, so I was worried about getting pressure on Stroud because when he's pressured, he's quarterback number 48. He's much better like most quarterbacks from a clean pocket. Um, And... Turned out he wasn't under pressure at all, and he was able to hit the big play. But against Baltimore, I just don't know that he's going to be able to do that. And if you look at – I was looking at the team total because what concerns me a little bit is the Ravens just beat the hell out of teams. They're number one in point differential, except for when we get to the fourth quarter. They do struggle a little bit to close out teams, so I don't want to lay the nine and a half. But I was looking at the team total, and I know we hit on this a little bit yesterday, but the Texans team total, 18 and a half. It is minus 160 to the under. What do you think about that, though? So the Texans this season, not as good on the road. They're 4-4 four and four on the road, and they only averaged 19.5 points per game, which was 18th in the league, 20th in the league in points per drive on the road. 
And now you're going against this Baltimore defense. We just talked about it. Historically good. For whatever reason, nobody's talking about that. At home, fully rested with yep. the bye. Um, you know, I just, I think they're going to get some pressure on Stroud. I could see him actually making some mistakes, which is why you're looking at an interception number, what, minus 165 for him to throw a pick. He doesn't really throw interceptions. He doesn't turn the ball over. But I think they're going to get some pressure. It's going to be a crazy road environment. We talked about the weather. I kind of like team total under. I mean, minus 160, the price sucks. Maybe wait on it. But what do you think, instead of full game under, now that we're at 43 and a half, just team total under with the Texans? Because my concern is, man, the Ravens could hang 40, 50 on anybody. Sure. I know the Dolphins were beat up, but we just saw this at home a couple weeks ago. And the Dolphins had everything to play for. They had a shot at home field advantage in the number one seat. Now they're at home. I like both team total unders, but I do like Houston because this could be like the Philadelphia-Tampa game where it's like 32-9 to or something like that, right? You hit the full game under, but one of the team hits their team total over. So I do like that look with the Houston team total under. Another reason I like the under in this game, Ryan, it opened at 45.5. We're down to 43.5. According to BetMGM, 84% of the money is on the over in the game. 84%. This is the playoffs, right? This is the NFL playoffs when lines are as sharp as they can be. When you have money coming all week on these games. There's only four to choose from. Yeah. And 84% of the money is on the over, and that line has moved two full points. I mean, I know part of it is because of the weather and because they're they're calling for 15 to 25 mile per hour wins. But when you see that kind of line movement in the postseason, I mean, that is just screaming to me that, that Vegas kind of knows what direction this game's going in. So I think it's going to be low scoring. Lamar's going to win MVP, but this Ravens defense, they won the triple crown in the NFL this year. They led the NFL in takeaways, they led in sacks, and they led in points per game allowed, or they were tied for first in those categories. I, I mean, both sides of the ball, this team has been so good all year. And to a point that you were mentioning as well, you know, not only do they can they do they have the capability of blowing out teams but they do it against good teams too yeah they only played three games this season ryan three games against teams with a losing record they played tennessee out in london they played the chargers on sunday night out in la and then they played at arizona that's it Every other game on their schedule was against a team that finished with their winning record. Obviously, everybody in the AFC North, they played Houston, Indy, right? They played San Francisco, L.A., Seattle. I mean, all these different teams with the winning record. And they won a majority of those games by double digits. So Ravens are really good. They're really good. You have a rookie head coach, rookie quarterback going on the road for their first playoff game. They're obviously going to get some confidence from winning last week against Cleveland. Yeah. But the Texans are going to need the Ravens to help them out in this game. They're going to need some turnovers from Baltimore. Because if the Ravens play a clean game, even though it could be low scoring, I I think they should be in good shape. The line feels about right. Like nine and a half, it just... I would lean Houston, but it, yeah. it's it's a good number. Like yeah. it, it could go either way. Yeah, with the total being forty three and a half right now, I don't want to lay the nine and a half. If I want to back, if I want to back the Ravens, because again, you have the teaser protection with it sitting there at nine and a half, because we're not teasing down to three and a half. Maybe we get back to nine, but I don't even really want to mess with that. I think the look would be I would lay the six and a half in the first half. I mean, there's not a better first half team than the Ravens. And that's the reason that I like that. You know, if you look at like point differential this season, they're what, plus 203 this season. They've outscored opponents, though, by a league high 142 points in the first half, which is why I worry sometimes laying big numbers because of that run game. 
Lamar will probably use his legs a little bit here, obviously, in the fourth quarter, third quarter of these games. Yeah. Uh, if they have a big lead and you have a young rookie quarterback making his first road start in the playoffs now against the top five, top three defense. So there could be some mistakes. They could go up two scores, but maybe take their foot off the gas, try to just make it into the next week against KC or Buffalo healthy. So I'd rather lay the six and a half in the first half. Because what I said, I mean, they outscore their opponents by 142 points in the first half. And you have a young team on the road. So rather than go full game, because I could see the back door being open, or even Houston just making the right adjustments and figuring things out, hitting some explosives in the second half, I'd rather just lay six and a half uh, in the first half with Baltimore. But right now, I just have the under in the game. Yep. Any, like, so Odell Beckham Jr., I know you talked about this, 32 and a half receiving yards. Does the wind, does the weather scare you a little bit? Because I can see Lamar lighting it up, man. Look at the home road splits. He's been much better at home this season. At home, we talked about this, 9.3 yards per pass attempt, completing 69% of his passes, 14 touchdowns, just four picks, so he's playing a clean game. Yeah. And on play action passing, like the Ravens, man, that's where they're going to hit, I think. They're averaging... Houston's given up, I should say, 10-point yards, uh, 10.1 yards per attempt, 31st in the league, 72% completion rate off play action. So I think if you get the run game going, not that you really need to to open up play action, that Lamar is going to be able to hit some shots down the field. Is it OBJ you're looking at? Because I don't know what you're getting from Mark Andrews if he is out no, there. No, I mean, Zay is like the deep Zay, threat because yeah. he's the speedster, but I think it is OBJ because obviously he's still great at running the slants, the intermediate stuff, which he could get there. Bateman could be involved in that too. If you're if it becomes available where you can find Zay Flowers rushing props, I would look at that. I think especially if the wind picks up, on Saturday, the Ravens are going to run a lot of that zone read action where they bring Zay in motion and he gets, you know, a carry yeah. and he takes it around the edge. The Ravens set that up a bunch, you know. They either obviously love running it with Gus or Lamar keeps it and holds on to it, but sometimes they'll give it to Zay and he'll turn the corner. So that could be another look, but I do like Odell. That'd be the Ravens receiver I'd feel the best about. Yeah, they got a rushing and receiving up, but no, they got Nico Collins and Devin Singletary. That's it. We'll take a quick break. Hour number two coming up. It's better. It's uh, you better, you bet. Not bet MGM tonight. That comes up after <laughs> us, though. PJ Glasser, Ryan Horvath, filling in for Nick and Ken here on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network.